0: And here's your second dose of tough love about success. If your success comes at the cost of your relationships or your health, it doesn't count. Hello, and welcome to Conscious Business. Today, we're going to talk about your success, your epic success, that is. And I've chosen this topic because, well, you know, we're at the beginning of a new year and you've likely set some big goals for 2019 and success is just on the brain, isn't it? And you might be thinking about success at work with your business, success as a leader, success in your personal life, with your health, your relationships, or something else. So let's start off with one of my favorite coaching questions, and it's going to make you think, so listen really carefully and go deep inside when you hear it, all right? What does success look like to you? Again, what does success look like to you? Now, this may seem like a very Captain Obvious question, but it's actually not that straightforward. First off, success looks different for everyone. For some people, they might have a financial target or metric in mind, and once they hit that, then they'll feel like they have arrived. For other people, success means actually having a lot of freedom and working the least amount that they possibly can and having a lot of flexibility in their life. For them, success might be only working two or three days a week. For other people, they may never ever take the time to define specifically what their success looks like. So they just kind of go through life never really feeling like they've accomplished anything. They never really feel proud of what they've done. They're always focused on what they haven't done or what they have to do. So I'm curious, what comes up for you when you think about success? What does success look like for you? The truth is, if you don't have a clear vision of where you're going, then how can you properly do the right work to get you there? Let's use the analogy of a GPS in your car. If you get in your car and you start driving around, The GPS isn't going to just magically take you to where you need to go. The GPS can't read your mind. Well, not yet anyways. You have to know what your destination is. And then you have to type it into the device so that it can do its work. So it's really important for you to define what your success looks like because knowing what you're working towards and what it's going to be like when you get there, well that gives you clarity and clarity, my friends, is power. So here's a look at what you're going to learn today. First off, I'm going to start off with some tough love about your success. In the second segment, I'm going to share a story to explain how success applies To keeping great talent. And then in the third segment, I'm going to share another piece of tough love about your success. So get out of your head into your heart and let's dive right in, shall we? Here is your first dose of tough love about success. Ready? Success without fulfillment is failure. Again, success without fulfillment is failure. And you may have already learned this lesson, congratulations, most of us have at some point in our life, but you might be in a job right now that is unfulfilling to you. So sending you lots of love. And as you're listening to this, you might feel like this job is sucking your soul. The days are long. You feel like you're not making an impact. And you might even find yourself wondering, does it even make a difference if I show up every day? And we're often reminded, you know, that we spend, most of us spend more hours at work than we do with our family and our loved ones in our personal life. So you had better love the work that you are doing. If you love what you do, then it isn't really work, is it? So success without fulfillment is failure. And I find that most people agree with this in theory, but when it comes to living from this place every day, that's where we get tripped up a little bit. We might think that we're fulfilled and we might be so focused on the wrong metrics to measure our success that we might be kidding ourselves. So let me share an example to show what I mean. Here's a situation that I see all the time. I see it so frequently. I see it with my clients. I've seen it in the past when I worked full-time, and I've even had it come up for me many times personally. Somebody has a really good job, but they don't feel appreciated or valued in that job. Their manager neglects them. They don't take time to really appreciate the work that they do, keep canceling their one-to-one meetings. Then one day, Along bing into their inbox comes an email from a recruiter. Gotta love those savvy recruiters asking them if, hey, would you be willing to consider moving to another company? They're really looking for someone with exactly your skills and expertise. Oh, and it's a 20% salary increase. And it makes them realize, wow, not only have I been underappreciated, for all my hard work in this job and for my loyalty. But now I realize I've also been underpaid significantly. Nothing breeds resentment more in an employee than thinking that they are undervalued. So while they weren't necessarily looking for a job that is different than what they have, now they're totally ticked off. And so they're considering taking this new opportunity. Now, this scenario never really ends well. If they stay, they end up being resentful about their boss. Or if they leap to the new company, they go there with rose colored glasses, thinking that because this new company is willing to pay them more, it must mean that they are going to appreciate them more and treat them better. So they make the leap, thinking that they're going to go somewhere and really feel appreciated. And often, you know, there's that honeymoon period for a couple of months, you know, when they feel really good. And then they're in the exact same scenario where they just left and they feel completely defeated. So I'm not trying to be depressing, honestly. I'm just shining a light on a theme, a pattern that I see all the time. What happens is that we think that the extra money, that carrot that's being dangled in front of us means that people are going to care more about who we are. But it isn't. No amount of money can compensate for a manager who doesn't care about you or for a job that doesn't fulfill you. The truth is that people leave bosses, not companies. This is the truth. People leave bosses, not companies. The numbers don't lie. 80% of disengaged employees are dissatisfied with their manager. And that's a Gallup statistic, 80%. Success without fulfillment is a failure. It is not about the money. It is about being appreciated. So I'm curious... Do you identify with this story? Does it feel like a little bit familiar? Did it ring a little bit close to home? Have you ever been in this situation where you felt that moving somewhere else to make more money meant that they were going to care more for you? Did they? Money can never compensate for a leader who truly cares about you and the opportunity in a job to do meaningful work that you really believe in. This is the truth of what we are all seeking. I've definitely had this situation happen to me before, and I've been on the other end of it too, as a leader, where we were really worried about losing great talent. And I want to share a story, a ridiculous story of what happened to us when we were in this situation and how we handled it. Okay, I'm going to rewind here. Many, many, many years ago, long before I even thought about starting a business. I was at a company, and not unlike a lot of tech companies, we were always challenged. One of our biggest business challenges was to hire great people and retain them, especially with technology positions, with programmers and engineering roles. The reality is is that the marketplace is hungry for great talent and so it's very very competitive. So here's what happened. A recruiter, a savvy recruiter started contacting the employees in our financial engineering team which like let's be honest technically they're allowed to do. It's not illegal and they were aggressively offering them employment at one of our main competitors. I believe the technical term for this is poaching. And let's be honest, it happens, right? I've been on the receiving end of it. I've done it. It just is a reality in business. And as a result, we were in a weekly leadership meeting, and this came up as one of our agenda topics. And the recruiter had not only been contacting people, but actually had the gall to phone through to our main phone number and then asked to be connected to these particular employees and wasn't even discreet about it, just went through, grabbed the list and went through every single person that they had found and just started ringing through to everyone who was in that team. Now, the instant reaction from our management team was, well, they were pretty pissed off. And I get it. It sucks, right? We work hard to find these people and bring them aboard. And then people just come along and poach them. So they started to brainstorm ideas of how we could stop this injustice from happening. Do we screen all the calls and find out who's calling before we put the call through? And it just escalated and all the ideas started to get really out of control. And someone finally suggested that what we should do is just take away their phones. Like literally go over, unplug the phone from their desk and remove all the phones in the entire department. And I remember thinking, okay, let's just calm down. My inner yogi kicked in and I was like, okay, Let's just consider the impact, the unintended impact of a controlling action like that, right? How is that going to make employees feel? What if they had to call a client? What if they had to make an appointment? What if they had to call their mom, right? The unintended impact of taking people's phones away from their desk is that they're going to be inconvenienced. They're not going to be able to do their job. And more importantly, they're going to feel like we don't trust them. So I got everybody to calm down and we talked about other options of what we could do in the interim. And I distinctly remember saying in that meeting that we can't ever build walls high enough to prevent people from leaving. We just can't. The only thing that we can do is make them want to stay. And I do believe that this philosophy holds true today, even more so in this competitive marketplace. You can't put blinders on your employees. You can't tell them that they aren't allowed to go work elsewhere. The key is to treat them well throughout the year, every single day, to earn their loyalty and to let them come to work each day and do things that they love because they choose to. Not because you force them, not because they don't have any other options, and not because you're working them so hard that they don't have time to look for another job. And let's just be clear, that is not an engagement strategy. Richard Branson says, take care of your employees and they'll take care of your business. And I could not agree more. I love that quote. Take care of your employees and they'll take care of your business. So if controlling your employees is not an effective employee retention strategy, what can you do? Well, I want to offer really quickly Dan Pink's formula for employee engagement. I love this. The acronym A-M-P-M. It stands for autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Give your employees those three things and they will follow you anywhere. So remember to invest in your employees year round, not just when you're scared that they're about to leave. The best defense is a good offense. Okay, here comes your second dose of tough love about your success. And this one, this one is probably going to sting a bit. At least it really did for me. So here goes. If your success comes at the cost of your relationships or your health, it doesn't count. So how does that land with you? Let me say it again. If your success comes at the cost of your relationships or your health, it doesn't count. So what comes up for you when you hear this? Does it challenge you? Does it make you reflect? Does it cause a little bit of discomfort? Right, As I like to say, defensiveness is a close neighbor to the truth. So if this one's charging you up a little bit and you want to argue why this statement is wrong, then, you know, there might be a little 2% truth in there for you. So for me, when I read this last year, it was definitely a slap in the face, a punch in the gut, a wake up call. It really was something that made me realize that I wanted to make big changes in my life. So, you know, sometimes we have a wake-up call in the form of an illness, an accident, a tragedy in our lives, and it makes us really wake up to the reality that we are off track. We are not living our lives the way that we really want to. So my wake-up call definitely was the passing of my dad last May. It just broke my heart. It unraveled so many things for me and I just still to this day I miss him so much and this last Christmas was so hard it really felt like there was this big hole in the family the entire holidays and as truly painful as it was it did make me reflect there is always a gift in everything it made me realize and take stock of my life of how I spend my time who I spend my time with, and where I invest myself. So I feel like I spent most of last year saying I was going to make big changes in my life and I was going to reprioritize. I even did a three-part series on how to unbusy yourself. This was way back in the fall. It was episode 156, 57, and 58. It was great content, if I may say so myself, However, I was hoping that that saying of, if you want to truly master something, teach it to others, that was my whole goal in doing that three-part series. I wanted to really figure it out and unlock that for myself. I wanted to figure out how to unbusy myself. And it definitely planted seeds of change for me, but it didn't change things right away. It took me time to figure out that I had to make these big changes in my life, drastic changes. And it wasn't just going to happen on its own. You know, I th- I think so often, I know for me, and I see this pretty much in all my clients, we have this belief that if we are really, really busy, all we need to do is just work harder or be more efficient. And then we're going to get caught up and then we'll figure out how to do things differently. And that is such a lie. That's your ego just telling you. Uh, that you've got to work harder and you've got to do more and it is possible and absolutely this is wrong thinking. So if you're going through this, this is a little, little bit of tough love for you. So I'm not going to go through all the changes that I made in my life, but it has made a huge difference since January 1. I feel like my life has really, really changed. I'm calmer and I'm not going to go into all the details of what I changed. But I'm gonna give you a, a big picture overview of three big things that I did do that really helped me along the way, okay? So number one, the biggest thing that I did is cutting back on social media, especially Facebook and Instagram, specifically things that weren't related to my business. Now, I do spend time on LinkedIn and that really does directly help me build my business. Instagram, Facebook, not so much. <laughs> so it was really scary when I actually started to track how much time that was taking each and every day. And more importantly, not just that it was wasting time, it was actually preventing me from being really present and really calm. It was holding me back from appreciating my progress and it was causing me to compare and be anxious all the time, which is not cool. So number one, definitely being conscious about how much social media was impacting my life. The second thing is focus. And this is specifically on products and services that I offer. Selling things that are already built, things that are on the shelf, rather than finding a way and being reactive to every single opportunity that comes up for me. This also includes saying no to clients that don't actually really align with my vision for the business, which is a tough thing. I hate saying no, but you've got to say no to certain things so that you can say yes to other things. And number three, the third biggest thing that I did that has really shifted my life and my personal time is to be more diligent and efficient with my time. And this is a mashup of different productivity hacks that always has worked wonders for me. I just find every once in a while I get off track, but you know what? You just have to keep getting back on the horse, figuring it out. So here's the things that I do that help me the most. Planning out my week, batching and theming my days, using my passion planner religiously, using the eat that frog methodology. You guys know I love that one. Keeping my membership current in the 5am club. That's a big one. Making myself and my health a priority before the day starts. Digital sunset every day and unplugging over the weekend. So let's check in with you. When you hear this saying, what comes up for you? If your success comes at the cost of your relationships or your health, it doesn't count. Okay, it's time to start wrapping up this episode on the truth about your success. If you are in a place where you consider yourself successful, awesome, high five, pat on the back, ask yourself this though, is this truly success? Has it come at the cost of your relationships or your health? If it has, it doesn't count. And what about the meaning in what you do? Success without fulfillment is failure. If you don't feel like you have purpose in the work that you do, you won't feel fulfilled. It is not about the money. You need to feel connected to the work that you're doing and feel like you're making an impact and really, really being aligned with your purpose. So I truly hope that you use this episode as a kick in the butt to really evaluate your success. Is your success really success? Are you really happy? Do you leap out of bed every morning with excitement and a smile ear to ear? Is your success by your standards or are you on a treadmill trying to make a bunch of other people happy who you don't actually really care about? And I'm going to wrap up with a great quote from Simon Sinek. Working hard for something that we don't care about is called stress. But working hard for something that we love is called passion.